खिला गुरुदेव की जाए श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जाए श्री सचिनंदन गौरहरि श्री राधा कृष्ण की जाए श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जाए लीला परिश्रम विष्णुपाद शीला भक्ति उदांत नारायण गोस्वामी महाराज की जाए श्रीलाल्ला परिश्रम विष्णुपाद शीला भक्ति विज्ञान भरती गोस्वामी महाराज की जाए श्री रूपनोग गुरु भार्ग की जाए गौर भक्तवृंद की जाए गौर प्रेमानंद प्रणाम गुड आफ्टरनून वेलकम एंड थैंक यू सो मच फॉर your presence here today i'm very honored to have the opportunity of associating with each one of you and hopefully with the opportunity of rendering some some seva to each one of you in the context of sharing harikatha nourishing your faith in the principle of sri guru which is the main topic that has been selected for <coughs> for today sri guru tattva which in itself is really a bottomless ocean that impossible to fathom completely like vedanta sutra say ikshate na shabdat when when speaking about the absolute ikshate na shabdat someone will say there's nothing you can say about the absolute because it's the infinite so how can you dare to put the the infinite in words but we godias will understand ikshate na shabdat as there is nothing we can say enough about the absolute but we will try our best <laughs> we will we will have to say something even though our attempt will be nonetheless uh, not definitive there is always something else that will be a, can be said can be said about the absolute we have to say something udav said the same when he was praising brindavan rajavasis after having darshan of the the degree of devotion found in braj this great personality great sage and and, and personal minister of sri krishna dwarka he was glorifying the, the gopis bhav and the gopas bhav say ananta katasya ananta katasya ananta rasas kim brahma janmavi ananta katarasasya kim brahma janmavi ananta katas for for someone who has tasted for this unlimited series of conversations about krishna what's the use of being born as brahma even and if you are being born as brahma you don't have a taste for harikatha what's the use of that either no. <laughs> so but he qualified the conversations as anantakatha anantakatha means it may seem like a noxymoron katha means let's speak about something and ananta means which is unlimited <laughs> so the, the implication is we all speak about something and we will never speak in about something about that something because that something is unlimited so the beginning of the project has no end so that's the the generosity of of sri hari katamrita no it's a ongoing process that projects into eternity and that's our hope not not only hari kata as a means but as a goal in it, unto itself that's what is called ananta kata ananta hari katamrita or ananta katamrita amrita means of course nectar something that implies some degree of considerable degree of sweetness but amrita also means immortality so it sounds hari kata is transporting us to amrita which means transporting us beyond mortality 
and giving us a positive taste, a positive sweetness to relish of all immortality. So Harikata for us is a post-liberated status. That's the very beginning of the, of the Bhagavatam. The whole Bhagavatam in one of the most important verses. Uh, yesterday I heard that my Guru said maybe this is the, my favorite verse of the Bhagavatam. <laughs> the third one, Nigama Kalpataror Galitam Falam and so on. And at one point says, Pivata Bhagavatam Rasamalayam. Which basically says, this Bhagavatam, which is the, as we know, the mature fruit of the desire tree of Vedic knowledge, is so sweet that you should drink this fruit even after immortality. Rasam alayam. Alayam is immortality, and after that, keep drinking. And what if this fruit is too sweet and you drink it and you become intoxicated and fall to the floor as drunk? When you recover from your drunkness, Drunkness, you say? Drink again. <laughs> How do you say in English? House invites another second cup. <laughs> Whatever. Another second cup. And you fall again unconscious, drink again and drink again. That's our drunk prospect into eternality, basically. <laughs> Relishing this harikata. So, so the topic of Sri Guru in this connection is, is crucial because by the grace of Sri Guru, we we somehow enter in touch with the principle of Harikata. We are being uh, carried in the, in the waves, in the current of Sri Harikata. Basically, the Guru, Sri Guru is the, the how do you say, the bearer, 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 the one who bears. Sorry, I'm practicing my English with you. You will have to forgive me. The bearer of Harikata, the personification of the deliverance of the divine discourse. Because as we know, Harikata is not just information but is as there is information but it's information which implies transformation so here we are not together just to be informed about something but that information has the potential of <clears throat> transforming our hearts so in, in this way we start to glimpse what's the the implication of the guru is someone who will inform who will educate who knows shastras we will see in theory but who has deep insight about the implications and the, and the depth and breadth of Shastra. So that information that he or she will deliver will touch our hearts to the point that will create transformation. So there is information coming through Sri Guru, but foremost and most important, there is transformation. His discourse will touch a chord in our hearts. So Guru Tattva, or, or the title of today's talk is Guru Tattva, which in other words will be the, the truth about Sri Guru. It's really crucial, too crucial, let's say. <laughs> it's that type of Tattva which, if properly understood, that will warrant all success in the Bhakti Mark, in the devotional journey. And if misunderstood, may warrant exactly the opposite, basically. <laughs> it's a very delicate department that really needs proper attention, special attention. Right? It's not so easy. Someone once asked to push up at Bhakti Rakshakti of Dev Goswami Maharaj. So, is the Guru Vishnu Tattva or Jiva Tattva? <laughs> to which category does the Guru belong to? Is he God? Vishnu Tattva means. Or is he Jiva Tattva? He's 
Jiva, soul. So what do you imagine that Srila Siddha Maharaj replied to that? Knowing Srila Siddha Maharaj. Srila Maharaj was a, a man of grace, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, Guru Tattva is, uh, Guru is not Vishnu Tattva, Guru is not Jiva Tattva, Guru is Guru Tattva. <laughs> Both are between. Another way of putting that, yes. Was close to that. So it's, it belongs to a category of its own, if you will. So, and, and that requires a special attention because it's a very unique combination of hmm, Bhagavan and devotion for Bhagavan. Hmm. The two of them, Sakshat Parid Bena, Samasta Shastri, hmm, on one side, but Kintu, but Prahurja Priyayivatashri says, Vishwanath Chakravartika. So Sri Guru is Bhagavan himself. And at the same time, Shakshat Hari, he's directly Hari. Now we'll explain in which sense. But, Kintu, Prabhurja Priyayivatasya. But he's also dear to Hari. In other words, he has love for him. So he's a combination of Krishna and a devotee of Krishna. And according to the, <clears throat> to the level of our approach, to the degree of our insight, Guru will appear in different Faces in our life, so we'll be discovering. No problem. We'll be discovering different layers of, of revelation. So Guru is Krishna, in, in the sense of his basically Krishna representational way. Guru is representing Krishna. He has love for Krishna. So Guru is a personification of love for Krishna, and whatever there is love for Krishna, there is Krishna. That's the way to, to, to catch Krishna. You want to trap Krishna, if you will, capture Krishna, go where there is love for Krishna. There we have Krishna in its most in his most real presentation. He said, Nahamtishtami Vaikunti, Juginam Harida Yesuva, Tatratishtami, Naradamat Kayanti Chamam Bhaktiya. See, I'm not in Vaikuntha, I'm not in the heart of the yogis on Narad. I'm there when two or more of my devotees get together and sing my name with love and devotion. That's my, my, my favorite place of residence, if you will. I am those hearts. I'm in the heart of my devotees. They are in my heart. In other words, I'm their hearts. They are my heart. I don't know anything apart from them. They do not anything apart from me. That, that's the in love situation Bhagavan is with his devotees mm. Mm. and his devotees with him like the famous image of Sri Hanumanji tearing apart his chest mm. and you see there Paramatma is no longer there <laughs> generally we hear Paramatma is in one's heart but as the more you advance especially from Ruchi upwards Bhagavan is up, upgraded if you will <laughs> maximized appearing in its ultimate presentation as one's Chosen is today as Bhagavan. So Hanuman opens his chest and there's who? Sita Ram. Not Paramatma. But Param- Paramatma in Sita Ram form. In the same way if Krishna will open or, or if, if Sita Ram will open their chest, Hanuman will appear there. <laughs> Basically. That's the idea. So when Bhagavan opened his chest, according to the particular form of Bhagavan, a particular devotee will be there. That cover, the love of the devotee corresponds with the form of Bhagavan. That's another topic I, I won't go today there. We'll speak about that, I don't know when, 
and on Monday, I think. Okay, how Krishna's different forms, Bhagavan's forms are carved, if you will, out of the particular love of the devotee. So the Guru represents love for Krishna. So whenever you want, you want Krishna, you go to where love of Krishna is there. That's the most safe place to meet Krishna because he cannot but be where love for Krishna is. Whenever love of Krishna is not there, Krishna may be, may not be, if you will. But he will be where love of Krishna is there for him. So Sri Guru is this like um, this safe destiny to land, to place, this shelter where we want to take because when we reach that point, we discover the goal of our life. Basically the goal of, for our life is Gaudiya Bhashana, which is not Krishna. Our goal is not Krishna with all respect. And the goal, our goal is Krishna Prem. We don't want Krishna without Prem. We don't want Krishna just as an entertainer of our life, as a toy or as someone dancing, playing flute, without Prem. Without those things that Prem allows, a particular type of seva that Prem allows. So the goal of life is Krishna Prem, and the Guru is the embodiment of Krishna Prem. So the Guru is the embodiment of the goal of our life, basically. The Guru is the goal of our life, our Prayojan, appearing in front of us in a very user-friendly disposition, no? <laughs> receiving our seva, reciprocating lovingly, instructing us in so many ways. But our whole goal is appearing in a very concrete form in front of us. And Srila Siddhar Maharaj will beautifully also say, Sri Guru is your own potential appearing in front of you. Hmm. Which is very beautiful, but very challenging also. <laughs> Because try to imagine you in front of you are always with someone who is reminding you about all that you can be. In a loving way, of course, not in a torturing way. No? You should be there, all this you can be, but you are not that yet. It's not like this. But nonetheless, the reminder is there. And if we are sincere, that reminder will, in a healthy way, uh, commit us to grow, to progress. We have been speaking about that today in the morning. So the Guru is that. It's our own potential. All that we can be appearing in front of us. When seeing Sri Guru, we realize, I can be all that. Actually, that's the role of the Guru. The Guru is not coming to say, I'm so elevated, so great, and you are so fallen, and you will never reach there. But actually, it's trying to invite us in that direction, inspired through his example, precept, and so on. With all that that implies, you know, I mean, we, we have to try to think about <laughs> the implications of, of serving in the capacity of guru. That's not a, an easy task. You know? so externally, one may think, oh, they are having such a great time, so many garlands and big plates of prasad and, 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 and 108 kijais per day or something <laughs> like that. You know? But that's totally like irrelevant you know? in comparison with the, with what's going on, with this going on inside you know? and all the the dedication and the sacrifice that the Guru has to do, especially to deal in a loving way, but to deal with all that having disciples imply. My Guru Maharaj will, will sometimes describe the Guru as the role of the Guru as an interior decorator. You call it like that? Interior decorator? So you, you, you contract, contract someone and pay, you come to my house and please decorate my house. So what's the, the first thing that the, the interior decorator will do? Will say, 
this is not good here. This is not in place. And this is not well tight, like to all, apparently destroy your house. <laughs> and you will be wondering, but I'm paying you to destroy my house. And you, I thought you were going to ornament the whole place. And he will tell, yeah, yeah, I will do that. And this, this is part of that. Even though it seems the opposite, this is a necessary foundational work for ornamentation to take place. <laughs> and of course, we have to trust the criterion of the professional <laughs> and keep paying him, keep investing, if you will. So the guru is kind of that. Of course, there is no paying in one sense, in one sense. In another sense, there is paying. The Bhagavatam says, Sarva Arta Atma Arpanam. A disciple should pay his debt to his guru with Sarva Arta Atma Arpanam. With all the, his wealth, her wealth, or his body, mind, intellect, and soul, all of that given as an offering, Arpanam. Of course, this is not a forced interaction. It's not that the guru will come and ask you, How much do you earn per month? So. This is, for, this is the purpose of this, put your, <laughs> your monthly earning here. It's not like this. But the point is that a disciple, a real disciple, we were speaking today in the morning, a real disciple, Sat Sisya and Sat Guru, a real Guru. I mean, a Guru will give us so much, so many gifts. And, and each one of those gifts is totally invaluable. So the disciple will, will feel, actually, even if I give all that I have, I'm still in debt, strictly speaking. If I really appreciate the nature and quality of what is being given, no matter what I give, I'm still in debt. Actually, the more I give, the more my debt increases. <laughs> but it's a debt of love. So that's a very desirable debt. Because the more we enter into this debt of love, we get freed from the karmic debt. Because we are in a debt in this world. We are implicated in karmic debt. So for us, the best way to free us from that is to enter into it. Devotional debt. <laughs> and the type of debt that Krishna himself has for, for his devotees. When we were speaking the other day, he's saying to the gopis, Your love for me is such, I cannot pay back to you. I cannot reward in, in, in accordingly. So let your own love be your own reward. Love is its own reward. And Krishna remains eternal debtor. <clears throat> but he says to the gopis, but I will descend once in a day of Brahma and will try to preach the glories of your love and make devotees for you. And that's Sriman Mahaprabhu and his Lila. So if Krishna himself remains eternally adapter, what to speak of us in connection to, to Sri Guru, who gave us so many gifts. As we were singing today in the Mangala Charan, Nam Shrestam Manu Mahapisachiputram and Swaru. So such a long list there. Raghunath Das Goswami is presenting. Srila Gurudev is giving me Nam Shrestam, the highest conception of the name. He's giving me Mahaprabhu himself, the prospect of serving him and his Lila, Swarup Damada, Rupa Goswami, Sri Vrindavan Dam, Radha Madhava Masam. That's a very nice word. Radha Madhava Masam. Asam. Three letters, but such. Asam means hope. So Srila Gurudev comes and gives us the hope of serving Sri Sri Radha and Krishna, for example. We may not be there yet, but he is giving us the hope of that. He's showing that, that that horizon, if you will. That's possible. That may take some time, but there's a place for you there, basically. 
to us as us here recently Prabhupada Saraswati was praying like that he said even if I leave this body and I cannot attain the goal of my life in that case he's praying to Sri Radha in Manjari Bhavan he's rather asked he says if I cannot attain my goal my desired goal let at least please allow me to die with the hope of attaining that goal at least let me Remain with that hope. If I can die, leave this body with the hope of such an ideal, my life is successful. Because the hope, of course, warranties I will attain that eventually. <laughs> so Sri Guru is giving us that hope, injecting us that that new vision, that new prospect of reality, and and we need hope for sure. I mean, when you lose hope, everything is over, basically. People end their life when their when hope is no longer there, when there's no, no, no more purpose, no more meaning. So hope remains showing us there is purpose, there is meaning, the ultimate purpose, the ultimate meaning. So again, the Guru is coming, going back to the example, as an interior decorator. <laughs> so we as disciples have a role to play. That's something I, will, I would like to speak today. I mean, when we speak about Guru, we have to speak about disciple. Because one implies the other. If you speak about guru without disciple, which which guru is that one? And if you speak about disciple without guru, which disciple is that one? You don't have a teacher without a student, and vice versa. So for the guru to 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 exercise his her role, we need a disciple exercising his or her proper role as a student as well. So the idea is we as disciples allow our guru to do his work on us, basically. And the point, the point is, he's an interior decorator. So we'll enter into our hearts, which, are, which is the room that needs to be made a temple in which Bhagavan will enter for eternity. That's our job as sadhakas. We are trying to make our heart a proper uh, stage, if you will, for the lila to be enacted on. And that may take some time. But that's the idea. That's the whole idea of Gundicha Marjan and Rathiyatra. You, know, you make your heart ready for <laughs> Krishna to come. So he will start throwing some things and with all love he will say, this is not necessary, this is not necessary. But trust me, eventually the, the, the ornamentation will take place, which has to do with advanced stages of bhakti. You know, like Nishta, Rucha, Sakti, Bhavaprim. But in the beginning, we, we are in an Arthanibriti, Bhajana Kriya, and we need to deal with all the messiness <laughs> of being a, an intermediate practitioner, if you will. We have to certain fix it, and we have to allow the interior decorator to do his job. We have to trust him. Sometimes in, in the Sri Sampradaya, they give this example. We're sharing that, I think, today, yesterday, of the monkey and, and the cat. And sometimes the example of the the cat is being taken, the kitten, kitten is being taken by the mom, cat mom. <laughs> and the kitten doesn't have to do anything. He's just being like taken. And in the case of the monkey, there is something to be done. The baby monkey has to, how do you say it? Like to grab. Playing on. Thank you. The, the, the monkey mother, if you will. <laughs> so there's something more to be done in the case of the baby monkey than in the case of the cat. So sometimes the example is given, the baby cat, you don't do anything. But I will say, even in that case, the baby, the kitten has to do something, which is trust his mother. Not put opposition 
to that. So there's something still to be done. So the idea is, in our process, grace is such a prominent element, but it doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything. It does not mean that I sit here and Krishna is just saving me and I'm just on my way to Golok and that's all. I mean, you have to do something, and which means trust in what's coming, trust in the interior decorator, trust it in, in all this throwing out of the window that he's making. <laughs> have confidence that that's for in your best interest. And sometimes we don't have that trust. So there's something we have to do in that connection. Once you let Amara say that also very nicely, he says, Krishna is giving all, everything is being given to us like in a golden plate, in a very like extremely generous way by Mahaprabhu and his followers. And the only thing that Bhagavan is asking to us, the only thing we have to do is not to put opposition to that gift. It's like if I want to give you a gift and say, please take this gift, just do not, do not put opposition. Just, you, you have to do this only. And I, and I put the gift there. And maybe for us, it may, mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not so sure if I should. No? This is the famous painting from Michelangelo, where God is like, making as much as he can from his side to reach us. No? Like, like no? stretching, you say, like, oh, you really get the idea in the painting. Like, he's trying to elongate himself as much as he can. And on the other side, it's us. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> maybe with a finger like this, like, I'm still thinking about that. I don't know if I should, I should make the, the great investment of moving my finger one centimeter more and all. No? So that's sometimes our like, embarrassing situation. On the other side, everything is being given with such disposition and generosity. And for us, it's just trust in the nature of the gift. Mm, I have to think about that. <laughs> so that's our lack of fortune, our durdaivam, as Mahaprabhu will say. Durdaivam, midrishami, hajjinina, So the point is that Guru comes to our life as that agent in whom we can fully trust. But again, we have to choose to fully trust in that person. And of course, the trust is not blind trust. It's a process that will develop in time. That, for example, why Srila Sanatana Goswami, but he will recommend, of course, this is in 500 years back in the dynamics of those times, but somehow that should be applied nowadays, ideally, which he said, ideally, guru and disciples should live together for one year before committing both to a relationship as guru and disciple. Again, not like a fixed rule that everyone has to do it exactly like that, but they, the gist of the thing is they need to get to know each other because guru disciple means a commitment during lifetime commitment from, the, from both sides. And it's a relationship, so you need to know the person. And you may get to know a person, you may go to a lecture and feel something special, unique even, extraordinary, after five seconds of meeting a sadhu, that can happen. I'm sure it has happened to many of you. It has happened to me. <laughs> but maybe you may need to reconfirm that extraordinary experience after some time of knowing the person when you can really feel, okay, I will invest all my life in this direction because that's what it's all about in connection to guru and disciple because the guru is fully investing him or herself 
in relation to his disciple. That's what we should understand. It's not that, oh, they are asking me as a disciple to give myself fully and the other person is, is not doing the same thing. No, it should be happening already from the other side. <laughs> and now we are invited to reciprocate, as we say today in the morning. And we are chanting, Hare Krishna. It's not that, okay, I'm taking the initiative here. And hopefully Krishna replies to my call. No, no, no. It's, it's not like that. It's because Krishna took the initiative, you are chanting. <laughs> no, he, he, again, he extended himself first. And that's why you are saying, Hare Krishna. It's not that out of your own initiative, one day you say, okay, now I will become a Gaudiya Vaishnava. No. <laughs> Gaudiya Vaishnava is knock on your door. <laughs> and now we are trying to reciprocate that approach. So when we are chanting, it's not because I'm beginning the whole relationship. No, it, it came from above first, and now we are trying to give something back. So we shouldn't be too much like attached to why nothing is coming back from my chanting. No, already something happened, and that's why you are chanting. <laughs> Say that, again. <clears throat> that when we are sometimes chanting, or whatever, beyond chanting, whatever practice, sometimes we may be having too much expectation about how Krishna replies, what will happen in return, without understanding that already something happened before I started chanting, and that's why I'm chanting, because something happened before, because Krishna came before, he knocked on my door, through the Visadu, the Vaishnava, and that's why we are like, like I always say, the first time I was in the Kirtan, I was singing and dancing and saying, how did I reach here? What happened? I mean, it was not in my plan last week. I mean, what happened in between? <laughs> I was not planning to end in this situation, but somehow I'm, I'm here and it feels good and <laughs> I want to stay here forever. So, <clears throat> so again, there are, there are certain attributes that are to be expected from the Guru. There are certain attributes that are to be expected from the disciple, interestingly, all the verses, all the main verses in Shastra that describe Sri Guru, interestingly, are the main verses, all those main verses also describe the disciple. For example, let me share with you some brief ones, main known ones, one from the Mundaku Upanishad, one from the Bhagavad Gita, and one from the Srimad Bhagavatam. The three of them are mostly the same verse, interestingly, the same principles, with different slightly nuance. So Mundaka Upanishads say, Tad Vigyanartam Sagurumi Bhavigachet Samit Panishratriyam Brahmanishtam. Gita says, you should know this one, Tad Vidipani Patena Sevaya Adikshanti Tegyanam Jnana Satta Darsana. And Srimad Bhagavatam, we have, we have Tashmat Gurum Prapadita Jiknyasya Sriya Uttamam. Thank you so much, So mostly these three verses are saying the same, interestingly. Basically they are, and they are depicting the qualities of the Guru, the qualities of the Sishya and the disciple. Because again, the two need each other, if you will, <laughs> for this interaction to be successful, Guru, Sishya. So, Mundaku Upanishad says, Tat Vigyanartam Sagurumi Vabhigachet. If you want to attain Vijnana Artam, if you will, the wealth of wisdom, of the wealth of realized knowledge, Sagurum Eva Chet. So it's, it's speaking in the imperative there. Eva Chet means you have to surrender to a Guru. Not like, like 
a guru is like an artificial imposition. But like when I tell you, try to find to, to get my the tone of my voice. You want this, you have to do this. Yeah. Not like I'm imposing that on you, but if you want this, you have to do this. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to swim, you have to enter the water. It's not like I'm forcing you to do that. I'm just I'm, I'm making this emphasis that if you want this, there's no other way apart from this. So that bhagavad If you want to attain the wealth of divine wisdom, you have to surrender to give your heart to someone who is drenched in that. And how is your approach to that person? Samit panit Samit panit means you have to approach the person with carrying the wood for sacrifice which is a typical symbol in Vedic tradition, the guru executing yajnas, and the disciple in Gurukul carrying the wood from the forest, like Krishna, from the, with Sandipani Muni going to the forest and daily bringing the wood for... Which, the gist of this is carrying the wood for sacrifice, because in practice you may not having... You may not doing that seva in particular. <laughs> but nonetheless, you have to carry the wood for sacrifice. In other words, you are the wood for sacrifice. The swaha is you entering into the fire in a symbolic way. You are to sacrifice yourself. You are to give yourself in service, this position to Guru. So first, all the attributes of the disciple, interestingly. Till now, nothing has been said about the Guru specifically. But disciple, disciple, disciple. (laughs) And then, Shrotriyam Brahmanishtam. Then comes the Guru, very briefly. But everything is there, of course. Shrotriya means he's expert in Shruti, in Shastra. He knows in theory the scripture. Therefore, he can teach that. And he can solve any question the disciple may have. And Brahman Ishtam. He's fixed in Brahman. Brahman here means the absolute. He's fixed in insight. He does not only have theory, but realized knowledge, practice. So these two things that we spoke before. Then Bhagavad Gita says mostly, mostly the same. I will briefly mention them. Tadvidi pranipatena pariprasnena sivaya. Padikshanti tegyanam gyaninastattadarsana. If you want to attain, again, divine knowledge, approach a guru. Srila Prabhupada says pranipat pariprasna siva. Pranipat generally means surrender to a guru. But Srila Prabhupada translates pranipat like approach a guru. So that's interesting. Because he equates, equates approach a guru to surrender a guru. Like implying approaching a guru doesn't mean physical proximity. Well, you can be next to your guru for every picture of his visit. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't mean you are close to him. So let's see, Maharaj will say, in the body of the guru live so many germs and bacteria that are so intimately connected to him <laughs> in physical terms. But that's not proximity in this more substantial sense of the term. Real anugatya, proximity, means hmm, I'm surrendered, basically. That's the whole idea of closeness with someone. Hmm. So, pranipat pariprasna seva. Pariprasna means I will inquire in a humble way. Hmm, this humble inquiry, as the Bhagavatam hmm. says, hmm, is the one that takes the guru, gura bogu hyamapyuta, hmm, to reveal order secrets. When the disciple is humble, the Guru becomes pleased and reveals all that is in his her heart. And Sivaya. Sivaya means service. Interestingly, this comes at the end. Sometimes we say, I will serve the Guru. But first, the Gita says, first, Saranagati, surrender, humility, 
And then we can speak in terms of seva, which seva is not just service in the form of doing things, but pleasing the object of my affection, really doing something with that intention in my heart. <clears throat> so generally surrender and humility is there to qualify our service, to put that in context. So, then again, the qualities of the Guru. Most of the verses, what is expected from us as disciples. <laughs> and then, the Guru is a Jnani and a Tattva Darshan. Jnani in this case is not in pejorative term. Jnani means someone who has knowledge, like Srotriyam from the previous verse. He knows Shastra. And he will teach on the basis of Shastra, the basis of revelation, and Tattva Darshana. He's a seer of truth. So he also has, he has, has Shastra Chakshu, scriptural eye. So he sees reality to what revelation says, and through the insight comes from the result as a result of his practice. And finally, the last verse of the Bhagavatam that I quoted. I'm just being brief. Each verse may take much more, but what to do? I want to give some time also if you have questions and other topics. This verse is really quoted by our Goswamis many times. Tashman Gurum Prapadita Jiknyasa Sriyotamam Sabdiparichanishnatam Brahmani Pasamashram The Tasma, therefore, of course, therefore means there is something being said before that verse. <laughs> therefore, you should surrender to a Guru. And therefore, the previous verses are implying when you have like exhausted your experience on the material platform, how somehow you have understood the temporariness of, 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 of this world is not enough for the eternal demand of the soul. Tasma, therefore, at that point, Gurum Prapadita, basically. You are in a good situation to Prapadita, to surrender to a Guru. We see this word surrender is coming. Ibabhigachet, Vanipatana, Prapadinti. So, Tasmat Gurum Prapadita Jignasu Shreya Uttamam. And the quali qualification of the disciples Jignasu Shreya Uttamam. The disciples should be inquiring Jignasu in the direction of Shreya Uttam, which means the highest possible, uh, how to translate Shreya, like well being, welfare of, of, yeah, goal to attain, basically, benefit. So, in other words, I shouldn't approach the Guru as a, I don't know, as a psychologist, or as a financial advisor, or as who I should marry, Gurudev, no? which car should I buy, no? or whatever. How, should I invest in Bitcoin or not? <laughs> whatever. No? So many other relative areas of, of, of attention that, is, I, we are, I'm not saying you have to neglect them, but you, you don't have to see Guru as a, a magical answering machine for whatever question you have in mind or something. No, the guru is to be approached in terms of bhakti and bhajan and questions concerning shastra. And it, it's not, I mean, it's not that the guru has to have an answer for every single question outside of that. You follow? I mean, regarding politics, and I mean, it's not the guru has to be expert in all those things. Because sometimes if we expect all these other answers, we may get distracted and stop asking him the real questions. <laughs> and we may get spoiled as, as disciples and just conceive the Guru in terms of 
I don't know, whatever. I have this necessity, I'm going to Gurudev, he will say something, and we forget to really inquire in the direction of Shreya Uttama, which is the ultimate goal to attain. And if someone needs therapy or whatever other thing, they can go to that, no problem. But it's not that the Guru necessarily has to provide all these other features of life. So it's important to to understand what to expect from the Guru and how as this approach approached that. So Jignasya Sreya Uttamam, and then comes the qualities of the Guru in this verse. Shabdi Pari Cha Nishnatam. So the Guru is Shabdi Nishnatam Pari Nishnatam. Nishnatam means, how do you say this in English? Drenched. 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 Yeah. So the Guru is Shabdi Nishnatam Pari Nishnatam. Shabdi means, refers to Srotriyam or to Shastra, to the Sabda, to the divine sound. He's drenched in Shastra, if you will. He's really familiar with what Shastra say. He's expert in quoting Shastra to reply our doubts. And in other words, the Guru has to be promoting what Rupa Goswami calls Shastriya Shraddha, which means we have questions and the reply to those questions will nourish our faith by quoting Shastra. That's the point. If our faith in Bhakti is not developing by hearing what Shastra says about that, then our faith won't be Shastriya Shraddha. It will be Lokiki Shraddha or common Shraddha, which means like a lower type of faith, weak faith. Shastriya Shraddha means I have faith, I develop faith on the basis of what Revelation is saying in the sacred text. So the Guru has to be expert in quoting the sacred text to give replies to our uh, questions to nourish our faith in bhakti in the context of Shraddha. Mm-hmm. So, Shabde Nishnatam, Apare Nishnatam. He's drenched not only in knowledge of Shastra, but in personal realization of that knowledge. He's walking the talk, as they say. <laughs> He's not only rendering lip service to the teaching, but really inhabiting the concepts. No? It's not just a concept machine, if you will. These are the tattvas and the categories and the, the verses. And, but he's inhabiting those verses. No? Those, those concepts are his her place of residence. If you <laughs> so, Sabdeep, Pari, Chanishnatam, and Brahmani Upashamashrayam. Another interesting way of, of proving uh, the standing of Sri Guru is to see Brahmani Upashamashrayam. Upashamashrayam means he has taken shelter, Ashrayam, in Upashama. Upashama means tranquility. So the Bhagavatam said, the Guru has taken shelter in tranquility, which is another way of saying he has his senses under control, which is not the ultimate symptom of a Guru, but it, there's a good point to begin at, because we may know, know is a Guru a Mahabhagavat, Uttam, Rasika, Bhakta, or whatever, has he Prem Bhakti, or is he where, or, okay, how, where I can begin to understand his hair standing. Pay attention to Upasamashrayam. Is that person is, is there are the senses of that person under control or not? There's something that more objectively you can you can you can prove in time when when knowing a person basically. So so these are some of the symptoms of the guru, some of the symptoms of the disciple. And as we say, no? guru and disciple somehow are seem two different roles, but at the same time they are quite connected because 
if a, if a disciple, a student is really serious, that person is eventually his guru. Whether he or she is initiating or not, but becomes guru by, by the example that person is given. And the guru himself, herself, will be the best of the disciples, <laughs> the most surrendered student. No? So as we were saying the other day, just to be guru means to be a teacher in our school, means to remain a student, but from another seat, <laughs> from another function of your service. Now you have to operate as a teacher and this, but you remain a student actually. Because in our school there's eternal prospect for for learning, basically. So we are students forever. So before we we have some minutes, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ananta Kata, we have eternity. Okay. <laughs> Do not say that two times because that can be dangerous. <laughs> they know about this. So so the point is. Uh, I was informed, of course, some of you already have taken shelter in, in, in Sri Guru. Some others are in the process of doing so and, and are in that transition period when one is like wondering, should I do that, not, whom, how, when, and all these questions, which, which is okay. It's, it's great to, to take your time and not rush in, in any particular direction, like just following a fashion or, or because of social pressure, like I'm the only one who's not initiating the group or something like this. <laughs> and, and wait for that reality to really become an overwhelming, undeniable experience in your heart that you really feel a full confirmation. You know? So it's important to, to wait for those <clears throat> epiphany-like moments that you really feel a deep confirmation that it's really I mean, undeniable. And, and as one God sister of mine once said, he said, he, he's born in, in, in his, his, her parents are Srila Prabhupada's disciples, so she was born in a, in a devotee family and was devotee all her life when she was 30-something and still had not officially accepted the Guru because she felt that till now I'm feeling I want a Guru, but still the feeling has not come to me that I need a guru. So until and unless that feeling comes to me, I won't accept a guru. Because I'm not properly situated. Just I want a guru is not enough, she said. I like the expression. Because not, it's not just I want a guru. I want is like, sounds pretty whimsical. I want a guru, I want a car, I want skateboard, I want a whatever. No? <laughs> a gulab jamun. <laughs> I want but it is, I need you know, to reach that point where you really feel this is a necessity for me. You know? So that will take you to take the whole situation much more seriously and not just like going to the market and let's see who, who, who are available. Oh, I like he, I want, I pick one of them, give me one, give me one sadhu in that, from that, <laughs> whatever. So the point is, we should ask to ourselves, you know, what, what's the reason for a guru? You know? <clears throat> or, or what we are looking as, as, as parents, aspirants, what we are looking for, when we are looking for a guru, you know, because that's, that's important to know. <clears throat> so then we go back to the, to the very definition of a disciple, someone who, who wants to offer him herself to the guru. <clears throat> in reciprocation. <clears throat> I remember once Srila Bhakti Pragyankesh of Goswami Maharaj 
he wrote one very nice article. He's called um, "One Should Properly Identify a Vaishnava." You, 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 you should read. It. That's very interesting. Quite long, but very interesting. <clears throat> so at one point, to make a long story brief, he's mentioning there are many qualities in a Vaishnava, but there's one quality that puts all the other qualities in perspective and that makes all the other qualities Vaishnava qualities. Because many of the qualities of the Vaishnava, you can find them in other people also. Tolerance, humility, compassion. On some level or another, those qualities are there in many places. But the quality that makes <clears throat> a Vaishnava what he is or she is, is Krishna Ika Sharana, which means exclusive surrender to Krishna. So, by that's the Swarup Lakshan or the Vaishnavata. What makes a Vaishnav a Vaishnav? Taking exclusive shelter in Krishna, I'm not worshipping any other gods or goddesses in other direction, but full faith in this direction. And once that's established, all the other qualities, humility, tolerance, compassion, will express themselves from that particular angle. So, and then he's saying, so when we as disciples are approaching the sadhu, hmm, uh, we may feel inspired by the qualities of the sadhu, because the sadhus have so many qualities. <clears throat> but we should understand, the foremost quality that makes a sadhu who, she, who he is, who she is, is this exclusive surrender to Krishna. Because if we are not appreciating the surrender of the sadhu, and we are just appreciating other qualities without appreciating the surrender that puts all the other qualities in context, he says, we may be enjoying our senses through the qualities of the sadhu. <laughs> no? Oh, he sings so nicely, or he has this quality, he's so tolerant, and, he, and this. But we won't feel ourselves committed to ourselves develop those qualities. We are just like, oh, this is so nice, you are so tolerant, keep being tolerant, and if possible, become more tolerant, so I don't have myself to become that tolerant. So we complement each other in that way, basically. <laughs> that happens so much. You know? like, oh, you are like this. And, and, and when people start to glorify you too much, you start to suspect a little bit. You know? Like in playing, it seems that this person wants me to praise me so much because he or she's not willing to develop those things he's praising in me. So he wants to say, no, no you, you, tolerance is beautiful in you. No. <laughs> I'm so falling, I cannot follow that. But you are... No? So sometimes we use this type of false humility to be evasive of our commitment. <clears throat> so he was saying this point, if you are Sinsri Guru or the Sadhu, and you are not, your main focus is not in this main quality that makes the Sadhu a Sadhu, Krishna Ika Sanam, exclusive surrender to Krishna. If you are not appreciating that exclusive surrender to Krishna, and you are not inspire yourself to surrender to Krishna then what you are looking for, what you are seeing, something else. You may be, again, exploiting the sadhu for your own gratification enjoyment also. Um, it's a subtle thing. You, you see, it's very subtle. <laughs> it's not just... Externally, it may seem like Jai Gurudev, Jai Maharaj, Jai Prabhu, Jai Mataji. Oh, how nice. How nice the class was very nice. The, the, the Kata, the Kirtan, and this, and... But if there is not appreciation of the 
giving of oneself from the other person and not we don't feel a commitment a call for us to follow the same again in a natural way it has not to be forced but if that if that transaction is not taking place organically naturally then still we should wait i will say at least we should wait to before saying i accept the guru because we have to feel that that call in one direction and again, if we don't feel that call, it doesn't necessarily mean that the Guru has not come. Maybe the disciple has not come in us. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I hear people saying that. You know, I mean, where's my Guru? Where's my Guru? I don't, I, I'm looking for a Guru. I'm look, but I, I say to them, but first you have to ask yourself, where's the disciple? No, in me. Because if you are not willing to be a disciple, your Guru may be here. But you will be keep asking, where's my guru, where's my guru, where's my guru, where's my... Because the disciple has not arrived yet <laughs> in yourself. <laughs> you fall. So the more you embrace all that a disciple means, the more the guru will manifest accordingly. So for those people who tell me, after 45 years, I've been looking for a guru and never met him, I say, mm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> I'm not so sure how much you are looking for a guru because how much you are looking for a disciple first again because looking for a guru means that person that will allow myself to express my discipleship or discipleness whatever i may create be creating some new words sorry with your permission <laughs> <laughs> so the guru represents krishna in that sense also no like a very powerful fire that you throw everything that may be contaminated and the fire will receive that and purify that so it has the capacity of receiving all that we have to to offer and knowing how to reciprocate with that so we need the connection with such a powerful agent but we need also to understand the, the idea with the gurus is totally giving of ourselves totally entering into a, a discipleship understand there is reciprocation in this connection it's a two-way street no? it's not just only one way street. Nor from ourselves, nor from the Guru. Because sometimes the two things have happened. The Guru is not willing to do his part, <laughs> and the disciple feels, I'm being, I have been abused or exploited. Or vice versa. The Guru may be doing the part, but the disciple is just, Guru Dev is doing everything. No, no, you have to do a 50-50 equation. Mm -hmm. Of course, we, was, we will feel, it's not 50-50, Guru Dev is giving everything, but in practice, I mean, we should do our part. The guru will not tell you, I will do everything for you. You just don't do anything, please. That's not a guru. The guru will, will pinch you in a loving way. Will take you out of the comfort zone, as we spoke the other day. Will make you doubt <laughs> in a way, in an intelligent way, a way to nourish your faith. My guru Maharaj said that. No? The role of the guru is to make you doubt. <laughs> And one may think, why is he saying that? I thought that the guru, the role of the guru is to clean, clear the doubts. Yeah, also. But in the context of clearing the doubts, he will make you doubt, not in, in a way that will disturb your faith, but in a way that it will open a, a wider way of seeing things. Because sometimes we were reading today in the morning, Srila Siramaras, this. Do not ever think that you have already grasped the totality of Krishna consciousness. Do not ever think... I already know what's this about. You, that's not happening. You cannot swallow 
Krishna consciousness. I already know what's that about. If you feel like this, the role of the guru is to make you doubt. You follow to under to, to think from another perspective and realize, oh, I never thought like that. Oh, I'm not so sure now. So that in that moment you are in, in a much more teachable moment, no? To learn more, to be more nourished. <laughs> so the role of the guru is to keep his his her students in that mood, basically, in a constantly uh, learning bhava, if you will. Never like totally assertive, you say, like. I know everything, I have everything. That's not happening in, in the higher realms. Sri Radha says that in, in Sri Prem Samput. She says, the one who says, I know what love is, that person has no clue whatsoever what love is. <laughs> mm. The ones who affirm this type in an absolute way, this is like this, and it, doesn't mean, it means you are very far from that reality, actually. <laughs> There is a sense of <clears throat> healthy uncertainty when you approach the infinite and the absolute. You will never dare to claim, I know everything about this. <laughs> Nobody thinks like that, not even Krishna himself. He's constantly learning, he's constantly being captured by his own beauty <laughs> and the love of his devotees. So what is Vigas over here? So the role of the Guru is to <clears throat> keep us in this teachable moment, but again, the role of the disciple is to keep in an introspective mood, always open to learn, always open to change, always open to, to, to recalculate our approach, to re, yeah, a healthy sense of doubt, not, not to be so sure about ourselves in the sense that nobody can teach me anything anymore, basically, no? but to remain open to, to see things from a deeper perspective, from a deeper perspective, and that's how we will be progressing. Embracing a higher conception of bhakti, rejecting a lower conception, and tomorrow a higher conception and rejecting a lower conception. That's what we call progress. So, some ideas I would like to share. I mean, we can continue speaking, but also you may have some questions or something you may like to ask about or comment in connection, ideally, to the topic. Something in connection to Guru Tattva, if you may have, we can share some. We have eternity available, so we have time. Anantakatara <laughs> Sasya. So, are there any questions? Suki Krishna uh, Prabhu, yeah. Maharaj, when you're considering approaching a guru, that should there be, is there set questions that we should be asking or specific qualities that we should be looking for? Yeah, I will lean more to the unique individual relationship. Of course, there is some parameters at the same time, as I mentioned. It's not that you should expect approach your guru and ask certain, again, carrying, carrying, in the beginning, that may happen, and the guru, in his generosity, will understand that you may go to your guru with, with an, I don't know, a very heavy emotional baggage that you are carrying, and your mother has just died, or you just divorced from your wife, and you you want to kill yourself or something. I have seen that sometimes, and the person goes to the guru like, "Save me! Tell me something! I'm going crazy." <laughs> And the guru will hear the person and will try to give, give some advice for sure. 
But in time, of course, the ideal is that the disciple may understand. Not necessarily I have to bring my guru every single problem I have in my life. No? Uh, not because the guru is not compassionate, but it may not be... In practical terms, it may be complicated also. I mean, if you are not living with your guru, and you cannot just call Gurudev, my wife, I, I just had a problem with my wife, what to do? Um, whatever. Maybe your guru is a nice tikka brahmachari and <laughs> has no experience of that realm. That can happen. It's not that the guru has to have experience of how to deal in, in, in romantic relationships of this plane. He may not know. And it, that doesn't make him less qualified, <laughs> because again, Bhakti Adhikar has nothing to do with being an expert uh, person in, in other fields. So again, in the beginning, there may be some place for that when one is not very much educated about what to ask. There is place for that, again. And the guru is aware of that. But in time, yes, our inquiry should become more one point, if you will, more specific. As we are, but the point is we have to be willing to be educated by the Guru. Again, it's not just, I go to you when I'm in anxiety. Or when I have a problem, please help me. And when I'm okay, well, I don't care, basically. <laughs> That's not the idea. Because again, if not, we, tr- we take the whole process as an, how do you say in English, ansolytical? No. Which is this type of medicine you take when you're in anxiety? anxiety pill or whatever, <laughs> I don't know. I have the Spanish word only in my mind. The point is, we, don't, we shouldn't take bhakti or the guru as, as some un, uh, like anti-anxiety pill or something. Or I, I, yeah, whatever. No, I go that when only I have a problem. There's place for that, Krishna says in the Gita, Arthur, Jignasra, Arthur, Some people approach, different type of people approach me, the ones who are distressed, the ones who want wealth, the ones who want uh, with knowledge and wise. And like implying, there are, the, these four are not the same level of approach. A wise means someone who approached me wanting to serve me. On the other end of the spectrum, you have someone who approached me for money. God bless my work, bless my car, bless my whatever, new girlfriend. <laughs> and Krishna say, well, we have to begin somewhere. So he accepts the approach and reciprocates accordingly. Mm-hmm. So it, my point is there is, a, there is a point to begin in those things, but clearly that's not the ultimate goal to attain. So in time, our inquiry should progress, like any relationship. You know, I mean, you can, you know, a boy and a girl may get together in this world out of infatuation, basically, mutual attraction. But in time... I mean, the relationship should go deeper because if not, the relationship won't be sustainable. <laughs> if it's only physical attraction and so on, in time they will exploit each other so much that they won't be willing to see each other's face for a minute. So the depth is required for the relationship to grow, to sustain itself. But on another level, one could say relationship with Guru may start in exploitative terms from one side. Maybe one doesn't have the intention, or one is not aware I'm exploiting, but sometimes we begin with that. We are not so concerned about serving, but about being served. Because we, we came with so many necessities. I need this, I need this, I need relief, I need Krishna, give me this, Gurudev, give me that. And they will say, okay, we have to begin somewhere. No. So let's give. He's asking. Here you have. Here you have. 
here you have. <laughs> but eventually you will realize, oh, this was not the real thing. Like Dhruva Maharaj, who eventually, when he had the darshan of Bhagavan, he said, oh, I was asking him for a whole kingdom. And he blessed me with that. But now that I saw him, I realized that what I was looking for was like a piece of broken glass. And, what I, and now I have seen a, a, a jewel, a chintamani gem. In comparison, what's it, in comparison, a piece of broken glass, a kingdom. So that's how it works. No? So sometimes Prabhupada will say that. Some people come to serve Krishna, some people come to be served by Krishna. And Krishna is so generous that he accepts that. And he, okay, he's at least coming. In time, things will accommodate. So, so regarding the Guru, that can happen. In the beginning, we may be mature. I mean, of course, if we already know how to approach, that's another thing. <laughs> but if in the beginning we are like innocent and naive and do not know that much, it's not that you are an offensor and you are a cheater, you are not approaching correctly, because that sometimes the words may get a little bit like intense in that sense. <laughs> so, if there is good intention and, and one is in that process, there is place for certain inquiries that are not the deepest, if you will. But in time, as any relationship, it should progress, it should become more and more deep and specific. And as you mentioned, it's more individual. It's not something that you can just like, this is like this, do like that, accept this and accept that. You ultimately, it's a transaction from heart to heart. You know? So you don't have, we don't have an idea how that will happen if you, I mean, again, we, we, we spoke today in the morning, it's not something to be stereotyped, like you just like can control in advance how this will happen, and I will meet my guru, my guru has to be like this, and when I meet my guru, this will happen, it doesn't work like that. <laughs> if you're really looking for a guru, it means you have to be open to however the guru principle will manifest in your life. And it may take a form that it was the last form you expected. So many things can happen in the way. So many things. We won't enter into narrating each other's testimony. <laughs> but so many things can happen. So many, Srila Samaras was saying that today. He said, sometimes advanced devotees will fall back and the juniors will take the lead. <laughs> no, so many things can happen. Someone may go backwards not because they are falling, but just they are taking some space to, to then run and, and jump. Not like if you have to jump over something, you may be walking, but you need to go backwards for a minute to run. And, so it seems you are going backwards, but actually you are going forward. <laughs> so there are so many things that can happen in the way. So, yeah, it's pretty specific, pretty individual. So I wouldn't... I wouldn't give like, this is like this, this is like that, this is like that. But yeah, the basic, the basic parameter is the guru is to be approached in terms of spiritual knowledge and applying oneself into spiritual practice for attaining a spiritual goal. And there is an interaction of, of education and service and humility and affection with the figure of the guru. But again, each guru has their own, their own mood. So that's also to be considered. And, and, and one has to see, to expose oneself, how much do I fit into that particular equation. There's natures involved as well. The Guru is interesting because the Guru is, of course, a spiritual figure, but also the Guru has his, his human side. 
So it does not to be neglected also. And, 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 and particular nature. So that's also important to allow to happen. Then the Nara Lila, if you will. Krishna, Krishna has his Nara Lila, his human-like pastimes. So he's showing their humanity can be integrated with divine divinity. And one is not to do away with the other. So we have to allow humanity also to happen in, in the Guru, in ourselves. So, so, so our own Nara Lila, if you will. If you don't allow yourself your Nara Lila, how you will enter Krishna Nara Lila eventually? <laughs> so there can be, you're saying that, um, personality types. Again, sorry? Personality types, the mm. individual nature of the, the Guru, there can be, even if the qualification is there, there can be still be incompatibility. Between Guru? and disciple. Or, mm. or you know, if someone someone may be a qualified guru, mm-hmm. but you, you may not be compatible with their nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can happen, and that's important to separate, in the sense of, if there is no compatibility, it doesn't mean he's not qualified, <laughs> or I I am not sincere, not necessarily. It's just like, and and there may be something relative again. There may be something regarding nature, regarding culture, regarding language, regarding how to say things <laughs> one thing is to have a guru from I don't know Orissa another guru from Hawaii <laughs> another lady guru female guru male guru all these they are relative issues they are not defining the adhikar of the person they are not speaking about the devotional standing of the person so we should be careful of not judging that Vaishnava according to those things that are there somehow have a place. Sanatan Goswami, for example, in Hari Bhakti Vilas, at one point he mentioned something to the effect like a Brahmin guru, ideally, a Brahmin disciple, ideally should have a Brahmin guru. Of course, at that time, again, Barnashram was more in place and so And it like implying, if you are like, let's say, Sudra, ideally your guru should be Sudra. Like, like the, the gist of the idea is there is some connection in nature you belong to the same species if you will <laughs> it's not speaking about the adhikar of the person it's just speaking about the nature again shudra brahmin nahambi pro nachana rapatirna viva shuna shudra bahaparusi i'm not i'm not nothing of that i'm not shudra brahman kshatriya sanyasi baisa gopi bhartu pada kumala yordasu dasana but on some level that's operating and for most of us i will say uh, these details, maybe not only details, but important things that may affect our, because we may need some em- empathy or connection with some relativity also in the beginning. What to do? <laughs> what, especially from the side of the student, if the student is beginning, he or she may not be able to fully grasp the, again, the, the, the bhakti side only of the person and just nourish from that. And may find some conflict in the in the nature shell, if you will, no? covering of, of the how the packaging, if you will, the packaging of the <laughs> substance, and that person may need some adjustment. So no problem. And sometimes even let's say, you no, know, sometimes I've seen this example: some devotees accept as a, as a diksha guru some particular sadhu who is really advanced, really bona fide, if you will but totally different nature. (laughs) 
And in time, the devotees somehow find that they are not so much able like, to, to relate to the sadhu in terms of personal interaction and dialogue and connection in nature. And they may feel some lacking in, in, in that connection. They are not saying my guru is wrong or anything, but they feel some, even if you want to put it like emotional fulfillment in the relationship. <laughs> so no problem, they can try to complement that with the connection with some other sadhus also. There's place for that. So that, that's also a possibility. You know? It's not that everything has to come from one single sadhu or guru. The Bhagavatam itself says, it's not like that. Nahika smat guru gyanam sustiram syat supushkalam brahmaita dvitiyam bhaik yate bahudarishmi. The absolute is absolute, therefore infinite. Therefore, you won't receive everything from one single person <laughs> in connection to the infinite. So probably you need more than one guru. Of course, Diksha guru is one, but Diksha gurus can be many, which of course is not something cheap to say also. <laughs> No, because when, sometimes we say that you can have many Siksha Gurus. Many doesn't mean... I mean you have to have capacity also to have many Gurus. No? Some, at the beginning we, we may concentrate on being capable of dealing with one Guru <laughs> and being a disciple ourselves. Because again, having many Gurus means myself being a disciple of, of those, those many Gurus. In Diksha or Siksha terms. So it's not just an excuse... I want to have many gurus. Sometimes it's the best excuse not to have any guru at all. <laughs> I've heard that many times. I don't want to limit myself to one guru. So I want everyone to be my guru. It sounds romantic. It sounds really idyllic. But you have to walk the talk. You know, so. Yeah. So again, gurus, we have to pick some direction and commit ourselves in that, in that direction. So... So yeah, some of those relative issues are, are there to, to consider. They are part of the equation generally. So it's not a problem to, to think about that and try to accommodate that. But again, it's not. it shouldn't be a problem. If the guru is bona fide, if the disciple is bona fide, they are sincere. Even if there is some lacking in terms of similar natures, it shouldn't represent a problem. In faith, in connection, in the position... One may need just some complementary association to nourish that part, and so that's important also to <laughs> to, to know. Mm-hmm. Something else? Any other question? <clears throat> yeah, Mohini. Right. Um, you mentioned about this article by Hmm. Yeah. 
<laughs> sorry, you're looking at your watch. Sorry? <laughs> oh, sorry, I was laughing. I, I should do like this better, right? <laughs> so, yeah, the, the main idea there, when because again, this is not to 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 create paranoia in any disciple. No, like you are exploiting your guru. You are not. You are enjoying from him. You are an offensive fellow. This is not the idea. But the idea is try to be introspective when when you appreciate different qualities in in, in Sri Guru. Try to appreciate them in the context that them they inspire in you a desire for surrendering yourself to render service to to those qualities. Like that some commitment is established in that appreciation. That's the thing. It's not that, oh, how nice you are like this. And how nice you are like that. And how nice you are like that. So, the point is, okay, how nice means <laughs> what? <laughs> It ends in the how nice, or it ends in I would like to reciprocate. I would like because that how nice is it has a background of surrendering the guru. I mean, all those qualities are being expressed in the context of his saranagati to Krishna. <clears throat> so, if I appreciate that, that naturally will have to inspire the same, very same thing in me. You follow? If I appreciate all those qualities in the context of surrender have to inspire me all those qualities in the context of surrender. <laughs> if that's not happening, then Srila Keshimara is saying, you are enjoying your senses through the Guru. Because it's a non-committed appreciation, if you will. How nice, how nice, how nice, kijai, kijai, kijai. But <laughs> there is not the, 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 the concrete expression of one's giving. So in that sense, it's, this is the idea of be careful of not remaining just in a theoretical appreciation of something, but not, if you will, a practical commitment. No? So it's a subtle line, but yeah, it's important to consider. Yes, yeah, your name. Sorry. I had exactly the same question because I was feeling a little. <laughs> yeah. When you said it's, it's really subtle that, mm. that since gratification, I don't have a guru, but I, I just have associ- yeah, mm-hmm. guru association. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I reflect on, you know, the kind of devotees I associate with and appreciate the qualities in them. But, you know, I just, sometimes I know that I can't be, or, you know, it's not easy to be like some of the associates we have. (laughs) But I always thought this, yeah, it used to give me a lot of, I mean, that humiliation definitely gives some level of satisfaction. I I never thought of it as a a sense gratification to this time. (laughs) <laughs> I thought, I thought it's some. I mean, like you say, it's a little transcendental. You know, you're not engaging in, you know, a lot of sensual stuff. It's it's good association, and those good qualities kind of, you know, you you over a period of time, um, you know, it rubs into you, and you you, you start being nice and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The total surrender to Krishna, that's just a huge step for, you know, maybe for me or people like me. Um, for me also it's, it's not <laughs> it's, it's not that the bhakti is not there but like you said it's, it's still mixed with laukik bhakti mm, mm. and and even yeah. though when we chant we're not asking for certain things a lot of other things just you know it just rushes and, and you know we think of many things when we're chanting mm-hmm. um, and then you know when we think of others okay there are people who don't chant like me and I should get try and get inspired and stuff like that it's it's a <clears throat> it's it's 
trial and error lifetime. I don't know how long will it, will it take for somebody to, you know, really get there. But mm. I never thought of it like, you know, a sense gratification when, mm. when I appreciate qualities of other mm. devotees. Mm. I don't have a guru, but, you mm. know, mm. many people from whom I listen. Mm. Yeah. yeah, of course, when I'm saying this, I, and I agree with your points, we, we are not saying that total surrender is like you press a button and I'm there. No, it's like from one weekend to the other, give yourself fully, because it's a process. No, even Diksha, what we call Diksha or initiation, interestingly, is a process. Chaitanya Charitamrita says, Diksha Kale Bhakta Kare Atma Samarpana. At the moment of Diksha, Diksha Kale, <laughs> It says, at the moment of Diksha, when you make of your whole self a complete offering of yourself to Bhagavan, and you say, wait, 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 one minute. Diksha means that I am making all of my functions, body, mind, body, intelligence, soul, a complete offering to Bhagavan. Of course, then you will ask, so I have not yet gone through Diksha fully, because that's not like... Okay, now I've given myself totally. But it's a process that you begin and it's taking place day after day after day after day. after. You have the ideal, you have the theory, the, the long-term goal, but there are middle-term goals, short-term goals <laughs> that you have to go through to reach the long-term goal. So, when Srila Keshav Maharaj is saying this type of appreciation with not, not, without commitment is sense enjoyment, has to do more with some type of self-cheating mentality that may be there. I mean, it's possible to be there, but it's, it's not that he's pointing to everyone. The, all the ones who are not totally surrendered are just enjoying from the Guru. He's not saying that. He's just pointing, this can happen, and we can fall into that if we are not introspective enough. I mean, it can happen. Just, I mean, I leave that to your own introspection, how much that happened in your case. <laughs> But of course, if, if you are with Vaishnavs, you will, if, and, and you learn from them, and you imbibe their qualities. The point is, if all the things that you are receiving from them are not creating some change in your heart, some desire to, to transform your life, on some level, gradually, and that, to the degree that's not happening, if you will, or you are not willing to, to change what has to be changed, to that degree you are just enjoying your senses, that's the point. But if you are sincerely moved in your heart, appreciating that, and that somehow, again, without neurosis, without paranoia, <laughs> without feeling guilty or shame, or I'm so, such a rascal, I have not surrendered totally, because you can enter into this process and get depressed and discouraged and leave the practice altogether, and that was not the purpose of Sadhusan. <laughs> So we should know how to navigate these waters in a sustainable way. Also. Inspire. Inspire but humble at the same time. Inspire and, but recognizing our shortcomings also. That's part of the process, as my Guru Maharaj will say. Sadhu Sangha means at the end of the day, we sit together and we share all our failings of the day. <laughs> and also all the gifts that came to our life. But also all the disaster that still we are engaging in. <laughs> like a way of Acknowledging that, being honest, being sincere, but also being sincere means I want to change that. I recognize that, but I would like to change that. But I know it may take time. As you say, some things may take a good amount of time. may take more than one lifetime. 
like we were saying today in the morning. Someone asked once Srila Siddhar Maharaj <laughs> how much it will take to reach Golok Vrindavan <laughs> if I start in this lifetime. And he said, he thought for a minute, and said, two or three lifetimes. And the devotee who asked the question was shocked. Like, two three lifetimes? Like, like feeling that much? And Srila Siddharth was even more shocked. It's too much for you, two three lifetimes, he said? <laughs> to reach such a goal in just two three lifetimes? After an ending lifetime, wandering in some star, just two three lifetimes? Too. <laughs> so, he, one was more shocked than <laughs> like, like, implying, no? I mean... It's understandable that maybe in this lifetime one may not surrender totally or reach certain particular... But at least we have to be sincerely endeavoring for some progress. No? Whatever we are, no? each one is in a very different stage, step of the ladder. But whatever you are today, at least try to become a better person tomorrow. And the day after tomorrow a little bit more. Upgrade your devotional status. No, don't try to jump from an Arthani breed to Bhava Bhakti. That won't happen. I mean, generally, that's not the rule. That may be an exception to the rule, and Krishna comes whimsically and gives Putana, okay, but Salyabhav, go there. No, but that's, I mean, that's Kripa City, that's winning the lottery. So, so you, won't, you, won't, you won't work, live your life as someday I will win the lottery. So I will never work. Because I may someday I may win the lottery and, and I won't have to work. Yeah, there is zero point zero 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 one percent possibility that, that happens. So better you go and get some work. <laughs> I don't know play lottery with on gamble <laughs> on top of that. So when you speak about commitment in this process, what are we committing to? Baba Bhakti, Uttam Bhakti, and how do we navigate through this? I mean, do we have short term goals? I mean when we say, you know, Am I a better person than yesterday? Am I a better devotee than yesterday? So what are we committing to? Because, it, you know, Baal Bhakti or Uttama Bhakti is just so high that, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it is again total surrender. It, it, it kind of, I mean, a bit intimidating. <laughs> we are committing to, <clears throat> yes, it's a, it's a very high ideal and it can be intimidating, as you say. I agree with that. <laughs> but we should uh, how to say it? nonetheless we should feel the blessing of entering in touch with such an ideal because it's such so high and we feel we are so low and so far from that ideal but somehow that ideal came to my life of course I do not deserve that that's the very idea of costless mercy and that's a complex thing also. Costless mercy means it's not a cheap thing because costless mercy means something has come to my life. I do not deserve that. And no matter what I do, I will never deserve that. Are you willing to live with something that you will never deserve no matter what you do? <laughs> you have to really swallow the humility pill for that. That's not easy. Because you will be living for eternity with something that you will never deserve. Our ego doesn't like that too much. <laughs> we want to deserve things. <laughs> and that's why we fall, if you will, from this mercy, costless mercy circle and fall back into the deserving circle, which means karma, cause and effect. I do something, 
and I receive what I deserve. <laughs> you want what you deserve? Okay, karma, the realm of karma is for that. Re realm of mercy is, I'm not receiving what I deserve. I do not deserve that, but it's still coming. That's what I call divine injustice. That's unjust. Unjust? Unjust. Mercy is unjust. That's the only injustice in this world. There's no injustice in the world, strictly speaking, in our philosophy. Because there's karma, and karma is divine justice, perfect justice. There's no injustice. But if you like to speak about injustice, okay, they will, will speak about costless mercy. That's unjust, in a positive way. <laughs> it's not just. No, I do not deserve that. But still it's coming. So my point with this is, yeah, it's overwhelming, it's too high, but it's coming. So, and it's so noble and so deep and so charming, and I'm such a rascal in my case, <laughs> but that's still coming. So it's charming, it's moving my heart, I cannot deny that. It's still too high, but still it's coming. That, that's it, the, the constant paradox of the life of the devoted. That's what Rupa, Rupa and Sanatana said to Mahaprabhu when they met him for the first time. He said, Apanna jogya deki moni pauk chova tatapi tamaraguna upajaya loha. Say, Apana Ajogya Deki. They say, we see ourselves and we feel ourselves totally unqualified. But at the same time, we cannot avoid feeling attracted towards your qualities. So we are greedy for your qualities, which those qualities are your mercy. Your mer we are greedy for your mercy. But at the same time, we feel ourselves, we are so low, fallen, rascal. But we cannot avoid feeling attracted to your mercy. But we are so falling, but we cannot avoid. <laughs> so this, this is how the boat is rocking in these two directions. No? I'm so falling, but so much hope again, hope because of your mercy. But I'm so falling, but so much. So we, which of the two will win at the end? No? How falling you are or how merciful is Mahaprabhu? What do you think? Is, is your falling state more powerful than Mahaprabhu's grace? I don't think so. <laughs> no matter if you tell me I'm the most fallen person on the planet, okay, whatever you like, but all the yeah, yeah all, all all the jagai madais put together, if you will. Jagai madai hai timuni se papis se buri se rakita hai timuni se la Krishna rakura Krishna se I'm worse than no problem. Still, Mahaprabhu's grace is more powerful. <laughs> so that's an important point. All of our anarchists put together, condensing one single point. <laughs> doesn't match one one drop of mercy of Mahaprabhu and his devotees. So so even though what is coming from above is so high, so overwhelming, and I feel myself so low, at the same time that's coming in such a charming way that I cannot resist. So the rest is okay, so how can I how can I deal with my life? <laughs> with all the relativity of my life and all these other issues that are yet to solve, while at the same time such a high thing is coming and I cannot close the door to that. I feel the call. Krishna is playing the flute. I, I hear the flute call somehow. <laughs> no? At the same time I hear so many other flutes, not flute calls, so many other calls, neon lights in this world calling me. And still sometimes I run here and there and, and forget the flute, but the flute still... Krishna is always playing the flute. You will never open the altar and Krishna threw the flute somewhere else and say, like, I'm boring of this. I have been playing for eons and you're still not coming. He keeps. Huh? Huh? 
the same Mahaprabhu. No? He's always like this, no? reaching the highest waves of Mahabhav and trying to reach us with the, the, the hand Mahabhadanya Avatar, no? giving the highest thing even to the lowest. That's the meaning of these two hands. So you will never see Mahaprabhu, we open the altar and he's like, no. <laughs> this case has no hope, no more. No, no, he remains like this. No? So the point is, we feel they are inviting us. No? Shirada always, no? she's also giving blessings always. No? So, so the point is, okay, the call is there, I can't resist that. I'm, I may be far, but it's not impossible. It's difficult. I, I, I believe you. But difficult doesn't mean impossible. Do not fool yourself making these two words synonymous. Because easy on one, you have easy on this extreme, impossible on the other extreme. These two extremes are not healthy. Something impossible, I mean, it's discouraging. If you have to do something that is impossible, I mean, there's no point. <laughs> but if you, if, if, you, if you want to do something that is easy, also that's like boring, frustrating. <laughs> easy from easy go. Yeah, so what's the middle point between easy and impossible? Difficult. That's middle point. Difficult is not an extreme. Difficult is the real middle path. <laughs> so we shouldn't get discouraged when something is difficult. That's the middle path. Discouragement is impossible. And it's not impossible. I mean, it may be impossible for us, but in connection with bhakti and bhaktas and grace. I mean, what is agatana agatana? That's the, the capacity of Bhagavan Shakti. So we should commit with the idea. We should feel this ideal came to my life, is blessing my existence. Even to, in theory, appreciate that. That's, that's a big blessing. That's sadhana bhakti. Sadhana bhakti means to appreciate, in theory, the reality of bhava bhakti, prem bhakti. We are not there. We cannot imitate there. We cannot force our way there. But we can appreciate, in theory, at least to begin with, the greatness of that. And that's so powerful. So powerful. And that will be a commitment. We will feel some commitment there. I mean, I cannot... Commitment means I want to align my life to get closer and closer to that goal, which still is far away. <laughs> but from where I am now, how can I get closer and closer to that and which adjustments I can make in my daily life, starting even from the more relative things. I'm not saying just, again, make a quantum leap and reach that place in a weekend. That won't happen. You can start from the most ordinary thing of your daily life. Thomas Merton once said that. I like that. He said, your salvation begins in the most ordinary moments of your life. Begin that. In those moments that seem the most ordinary, try to inject extraordinariness there. No? Try to connect them with your ideal. So, so, so that's the, the commitment is with, with the ideal that has come to our life. So that ideal is so noble, so deep, that I cannot but think, how can I adjust <clears throat> gradually, but more and more my life, to align myself with that call? And of course, that will happen in the company of those who are more aligned than me, and they share with us a, an example to follow, hopefully not too overwhelming. <laughs> Sometimes also it's important to associate with devotees that are not... I mean, it's important to be associated with very advanced devotees, but sometimes it's also important to be associated with devotees that are not that too advanced on a daily basis, because we may be overwhelmed also. 
because of our, of our lack of capacity of dealing with that much advanced. I mean, it's, I'm not saying don't associate with a very advanced devotee, but sometimes on a daily, day-to-day interaction on certain things, it may be also good to complement that with devotees that are more advanced than us, but not that more advanced than us. <laughs> so we have to find a complement with all this very much, much advanced current that is we are receiving from other sadhus and so on. Anyhow, some ideas. I hope that helps. <laughs> there are some other questions here online, but I don't know. Who? Yeah, I, Krishna. Yeah. Um, I was going to say it reminded me that um, when I first came into Krishna, Krishna Hare Krishna, and my guru used to go up and hug the men. Sorry again? The, the guru part? used to go up and give the hug to the men. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I was waiting for my hug. Because I thought, oh, where's my hug? And I, I remember feeling very um, upset and sad about it. Anyway, I, I went home and I meditated on it. And what, what came was that the guru hugs you, embraces you with his eyes, but not materially, spiritually. And I didn't understand for a long time what that really meant, you know, it... it it, it helped me, but it, it, I didn't understand it. But now, yes, I, I can understand. And um, yes, I do fall down. I, sometimes when I'm with my guru, I want him to praise me. And I get so excited when he praises me. And when he doesn't notice me, I get not sad anymore. No, I can't understand that. But I, I just get so lifted when he praises me. But it is a self-gratification. And I realize that, and um, I try to um, try to uh, say to myself, "Okay, thank you, but that's not what he's trying to say to you. He's trying to say something else to you mm. altogether." Mm. Yeah. So I, I do understand with with more. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Also, know that sometimes we may get accustomed to. <laughs> Oh, Gurudev is embracing me, or Gurudev is looking at me, or Gurudev is saying something about me. Or, or maybe he's not doing that, he's doing that with others, and when, when is my turn? No? It's my turn, Gurudev. No, already a week, and nothing has been said about me. <laughs> I'm the last one in the list. And, and, and sometimes even, it's interesting because the, the Guru, in some cases, may be aware of that, and may be just testing us. Or even... The Guru may not be aware of that, but Krishna is aware of that. Mm-hmm. And he like acts through the Guru to huh, as an instrument to put us in that particular test. So we in, in in either of those cases we should feel like personally something negative, like why Gurudev is not doing that? Because he, he ultimately the point is he's I mean he's not to do that. I mean we, we as disciples should not uh, serve the Guru in, in expectation of Actually, of anything, for us, I know that it may be hard, a high goal, but the, the idea of selfless service is our ideal. I'm not serving for anything in return, but the service in itself is the the giving is the receiving, basically. It's not. A, I mean, if I have the chance of serving him, that's the receiving for me. I, I don't even need something in return. I only need the, the, the in return the possibility of further giving. 
again, it's a high ideal, I know, but that's the ideal we want to, to embrace. At least in theory, we have to accept that, that ideal and let and then see how we can put that in practice and, and, and understand, yeah, I mean, Guru may praise at some moment, but of course, if the Guru is praising a disciple, the disciple will never feel, oh, finally Guru Maharaj realized who I am, or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> I mean, that will be totally nonsense and embarrassment. The, the disciple will feel actually embarrassed by such a thing. And I internally will feel whatever qualities I'm having are for the, due to the grace of my Guru. And if the, if the Guru is chastising the disciple... The, the real disciple will feel fortunate in that moment. No one feel why Gurudev is chastising me and not and is praising others. <laughs> no, actually, you should feel oh, Chilasiramas gave this nice example. He said he was making this point that Sila Prabhupada once he said if the guru is embracing you or caressing caressing you or slapping you, in in both cases there is no difference. In both cases, he's giving mercy. Because whatever comes from that plane is non-dual. So it may take different forms, but the, the principle is the same. So we shouldn't be attached to the form that mercy is taking. No, embrace me, no, slap me, whatever, no, mercy, whatever form it takes. I'm attached only to that being mercy, not to the packaging of the mercy. <laughs> But Srila Samaras will say, but of the two, the chastisement journalists have appreciated as a deeper level of mercy. Because you want chastise, and with this I'm not promoting masochism or something, Gurudev, slap me stronger, please. <laughs> but you, you will only chastise someone you have a deep relationship with. I mean, generally, generally no, that should be the standard. You, you won't just walk and start chastising people that you just met five minutes before ago. <laughs> But if you have deep connection with someone and if you love that person and you chastise that person, I mean, that will be in the context of loving the person. So you will feel such a deep connection. Sila Sermaras once said that. He said, oh, Gurudev is chastising me. That means that he considers me his property. And therefore, he concluded, I'm saved. If Gurudev considers me his property, I'm saved. And that's why he's taking this step to chastise me. He's not chastising anyone. He's chastising me, so he considers me his property. Wow, that's it. He starts to celebrate that. <laughs> but again, we, have to, we should have the vision to appreciate that. No? Because if not, you may be disturbed or whatever. No? So, Anyhow, there are some... Can I deal with some, briefly with some remaining questions? Five minutes? More, so we close there. There's two questions here in, in online. One from Greg. He's saying, "How do we approach the Guru, knowing that we do not deserve the mercy?" <clears throat> well, I think the reply is included in the question. I mean, we approach the Guru. <clears throat> the, our approach will be qualified by knowing that we do not deserve the mercy. <laughs> no. So the fact that we are approaching to something we do not deserve will make us approach from a particular way. I mean, the, to have that in mind. Again, not as a, a negative emotion. Like, I do not deserve, I do not deserve, and I'm still approaching or something. But I need that. That you don't deserve any, something doesn't mean that you don't need that. So, as I say before, 
I don't want a guru. I need a guru. And I need a guru doesn't mean I deserve a guru. <laughs> but I need. And I need. There's this saying, I don't know if you have that in England, but they say something like, help me when I deserve it the less, because that's when I will need that the most. <laughs> so that's like the logic of, of grace, of mercy. The moment when you deserve something the less is when you need it the most. <laughs> so so we, we should approach with that humility. Again, natural humility. No? Not like guilt or shame or this type of emotional dysfunctionalities. Because we are approaching our, the Guru is our best friend, basically, our greatest well-wisher, our deeper shelter. So we should feel deep confidence and deep hope, as we were speaking today. So we should approach with joy, feeling ourselves totally fortunate, I mean, totally blessed, without fear. That's the idea, because fear will really interrupt our, our approach, basically, will paralyze us. So the, the opposite of fear is trust and confidence. The connection with the Guru should be in terms of deep trust. Rupa Goswami says, Vishram Bena Guru Seva. The connection with the Guru is to be established in terms of Vishramba. Vishramba means like a deep confidence with some sense of friendship. But not ordinary friendship, but there is some type of friendship with the Guru also. He's my best friend. At the same time, he's my guru. <laughs> so with this deep sense of trust and well-wishing, we should approach. And again, you, you cannot just force yourself to feel those things. First, may, you may need to know the person, and in that knowing the per in that process, those things will grow more and more in your heart and will make you approach the person in that way. So a brief reply, because we are already quite extended. And the last question here. Namrasa is sending one question from, <laughs> from New Jersey. He's saying, how do we deal with prolonged physical distance from the Guru? Well, uh, that can happen, and that will happen for sure at some point, especially if your Guru, if one's Guru at one point passes away from our mundane vision and enters, enters the Nitya Lila, and that, that will be a prolonged physical absence, no doubt. <laughs> and you have to be prepared for that. that. That's a real test of who is a disciple, if you will. Because at that moment, your Guru is no longer visible on one platform. So you will be put to test how much you, you have established a relationship with him beyond the physicality of this plane. Because the relation with the Guru has nothing to do with the physical body. Of course, there is Bapu and there is Bani. So there is Bapu. When the Guru comes, visits you, you have the chance of whatever, cook for him and make a garland and wash his clothes and certain, if you will, physical services that are very desirable. No? But at the same time, that's, that can be or can be not there. While Bani or his instruction, his message, his ideal, his mission will be always present. Of course, I'm not saying this, okay, so Bani is above Bapu, so if there is Bapu, I will say, well, I'm just connected with Bani, this essential part, so I no need to cook, and no, no, you will take the, the opportunity to, <laughs> to offer Seva in the plane of, of, of Bapu. 
but of the two, Bunny will always be there. At some point, Bapu Seva Wall will no longer be available, may no longer be available. So how to deal with that physical distance and physical absence? <clears throat> so Bani, <clears throat> Bani is there for that. You, know, you have to connect with what your guru is about. That's what one, one meditates on daily. Krishnanandaya Dimahi, Guru Devaya Vidmahi. You have to know Sri Guru, you have to deeply meditate in his internal uh, experience and serve that and identify yourself with that. Because if you are not identified with that in terms of service, you won't develop a spiritual identity. And we are to develop spiritual identity. To be a disciple means to develop a spiritual identity. And you won't develop a spiritual identity if you don't have an identification with the necessity of service that you project yourself in. So, Guru may not be present physically, but again, he lives in his instruction forever, basically. So we are to find the Guru there. That's the test of the disciple, how much of the Saragrahi, of the instant seeker, we are. And if we have the chance of physical association with Sri Guru, that's like an extra blessing, if you will, added feature to the equation. But our focus should be how much I am connected with, with, with what all, all he is about, his instruction, his mission, his ideal, and in a substantial way, because you have Ban, Bapu and Bani, but in Bani, you also have the Bapu of the Bani and the Bani of the Bani. <laughs> you can have the form, the, the external aspect of the Bani. You can understand the instruction in a very superficial way, or the Bani of the Bani means like the essence of the instruction. So we should become deeper and deeply acquainted with that. So, and of course, to complement with the association of other sadhus, because I imagine the question here has to do with physical distance from, from the guru, and that presents like, a, like on an individual level with one particular person, which I understand your Diksha guru, let's say. But again, the guru is a individual, but there's also a plurality of gurus. So we should understand Chaitanya Charitamrita begins like this, Bande Gurun. Immediately the whole treatise put everything in context. I offer my pranam to the gurus, in plural. Bande Gurun. Like in plain, <clears throat> when you speak about guru, guru is not alone. Please do not isolate, alienate one figure of the parampara from the rest of the succession. No? Because that's, that's a disservice to the guru. <laughs> You can, I mean, if you over-glorify your guru to the point that say, he's so unique and special, and, and by doing that, you are kind of <laughs> taking him out from the hole. <laughs> he's saying, what are you doing? Bring me back. To <laughs> Do not unplug myself from my own Gurudev and my Puran Gurudev in the name of praising me. You are not doing that. So bring me back to the Parampara, <laughs> something like this. So when we say guru, <clears throat> we say guru Parampara. Today. So, by this I mean, we may have physical distance from some guru, one sadhu, but we should understand there, there's a whole galaxy of sadhus, a whole parade of gurus. And we should be taking advantage of that as much as it's possible. So, And I understand, most of us needs, needs the personal direct association with sadhus. So if for some, whatever reason, we don't have that much of that association with one particular guru, let's say my Diksha Guru, whoever, there are so many other figures that have the potential to be also 
complementary guru figures in our life, and we should complement with that. No? Because I, we have to understand the guru, in one sense, guru is one. <laughs> no, it's one same tattwa, one same agency, department, which expresses itself in a variety of representatives. Vyasti guru, samasti guru, the macrocosmic and the microcosmic principle, the conglomerate of the guru principle and the individual expression. But all these individuals <clears throat> are representing the same agency. They are not com com competing. That's the word? Yeah, they are not competing with one another. Like, come to me, come to... I mean, actually, all of them are serving the same company, if you will, <laughs> the same agency. No? So we shouldn't see, like, conflict in that. It's a com complement in that. So whatever we are not receiving from what guru... Not because the guru may be lacking or something, but because of physical distance or our lack of capacity or different natures or whatever the case. <laughs> Again, the Bhagavatam is saying, it's not that you have to receive everything from one single person. Nobody says that same, but try to be benefited from the opportunity for, for further Sadhu Sangha. So that's one of the ways you can deal with the prolonged physical distance. But also try to make some effort to to travel and visit your guru as well <laughs> to be practical well, sometimes that that should be done also no it's like oh i don't see my guru he's not traveling anymore okay you can travel sometimes that's a good good idea maybe don't expect him to tour the world every single year and you just wait him in your house whenever he comes no it's good that you can also get out of your comfort zone and go for some <laughs> take some travel to take darshan of the sadhus, and so that can happen. Also. Of course, in nowadays, COVID dynamics, that's a whole different issue. <laughs> and I imagine the question has a little bit, a lot to do with that. So again, <clears throat> take shelter in Zoom, <laughs> and some online darshans, for sure, of your Gurudev, but also, again, go deeper. It's a nice opportunity to become more substantial and essential in connecting with the people beyond the physicality and according to their inner instruction and and get in touch with other sadhus as well. So Samadiyas Namrasaji, hope that helps. <clears throat> so almost two hours, so I think it's <laughs> we can stop here and I actually appreciate and thank you all all of you for your patience, for your time and your attentive hearing and I hope some of these words have been able to nourish your your, your Guru Nishta and your understanding and faith in, in, in Sri Guru Tattva. So thank you so much to Madhubrata Prabhu and, and Sarveshwari for the invitation here. Very glad to, to be here and to all of you as well for your presence. Shila Gurudev Ki Jai, Shriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Sri Sachinandan Gaudhari, Sri Radha Krishna Ki Jai. Gold Pakta Vindaki, Gold Praman, Hari